Jenna. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales. I'm Sam. And I'm Jenna. And today we are going to be uh, monkeying around a little bit. I, I say that tongue in cheek with my uh, puns. I try to say every episode and they just, I still am not getting a laugh from Jenna or oh, Well, guests. you know what, that one makes me want to correct you. I'm sure Faith, I know, Faith our guest choke. here, wants to correct you. <laughs> a minute, because we're not going to be talking about monkeys, because we have Faith Hall, who is with our temporary keeper in our primate department, and works closely with our bonobos, so today we are going to be covering bonobos. So, Faith, feel free to correct me on my mistake I've already made 30 seconds into this podcast. Well, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you know the difference between a monkey and an ape? Oh, uh, put me on the spot. Please tell me the difference between a monkey and an ape. I guess, can I take a guess? Yeah, absolutely. I'm guessing tails. I'm guessing, I'm guessing the tails You're are the... correct. So are the, that's okay. the easiest way to tell. Monkeys have tails and apes don't. There are a lot more semantics that go into classifications, but that's the easiest way to tell between a monkey and an ape is if it has a tail or if it doesn't. Then what's a primate? A primate is kind of just that overall name for monkeys and apes. Okay. It also includes prosimians, which a lot of people forget about, uh, but those are the most distantly related to us, like lemurs. So kind of the umbrella term. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it gave us a chance. I'm sure you knew that. Yeah. I think you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for being here. And thanks for having me. I think bonobos are one of the apes that aren't quite as known about, and people may not, well, they may not know much about them because they're not very prevalent in zoos, right? Correct. And... Um, I actually, side note, that was my first internship here at the Cincinnati Zoo, was half day with Jungle Trails and half day with Wild Encounters. So um, I had a teeny tiny bit of experience around the bonobos, but of course, as an intern, you you aren't doing a whole lot with them. Um, But yes, so I was in Jungle Trails for a little while. Very cool connection. Yes. Um, But so I know a little bit about bonobos, but I'm excited to hear more from you. And we want to hear about their personalities and the different groups you have and how all of that works. So if you don't mind just telling us kind of um, a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in the Jungle Trails department, and then a little bit just about um, bonobos in general. And then we'll get into the... Sure. So I'm a Cincinnati native, and I feel like I almost grew up here at the Cincinnati Zoo. I actually started volunteering when I was 13, and I just never left. Uh, I continued all the way through high school, ended up going to the University of Hawaii and got a degree in anthropology. Wow. Uh, I knew I wanted to work with primates from a really early age, so I followed that passion into, into college. Volunteered at the Honolulu Zoo with the chimpanzees for a little bit. Had a slight detour after college, and then came back and I've been in the Wild Encounters Department, Cat Ambassador Program Department, and now in my dream job. So I am loving it here. It's an amazing opportunity. Uh, finally getting to live that childhood dream. That's pretty cool. I have to ask because it's really difficult to become a temp or a seasonal in a primate area here at the zoo. I don't know about other zoos, but at the Cincinnati Zoo, um, you do have to be very trusted. They're very smart, very dangerous animals, and uh, there aren't openings very often. So were you volunteering with them or did they just know that you've been, you know, here at the zoo volunteering in different capacities for so long? Or how did you get your name in that Yeah, I got really, really lucky. Uh, At the time, I was a supervisor with our Wild Encounters department, and I had reached out to the department to see if I could volunteer. But with COVID and COVID regulations, uh, unfortunately, that just wasn't possible. They're our closest living relatives, so they can get all the same viruses that we can, including the coronavirus. 
Uh, so unfortunately that was not an option for me, but when the position came available, they were going through some names, another keeper had recommended me, and they recognized my name like, oh, she had some previous experience at another zoo, uh, she wanted to volunteer, let's give her a shot. Awesome. And so <laughs> I got the best job in the zoo, I think. Very lucky. <laughs> I love it when we all think that. Like, yeah. I bet Sam thinks he has the best job in the zoo. Yeah. I think <laughs> I have the best job right. in the zoo. But yeah, I'm glad that worked out for you because it is, a lot of the times... Not that we aren't deserving, and you were totally deserving, but it kind of is the right place at the right time oh, to get one of those it's jobs. Kind of like when you fall into, not fall into, when you acquire a position in the zoo, and a lot of, you'll hear the times that Faith just said lucky. Um, it reminds me of one of my favorite motivational motivational phrases, where luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Oh yeah, which it kind of is the crossroads of that of like you've been preparing, you've been preparing, and then like a spot opens up, and you're like, okay. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think I'm the first temp that didn't do a primate internship with our department. Uh, yeah. So it's a pretty cool opportunity to be trusted like that straight out of the bat. Absolutely. Yes, I would agree with that. In the bonobos, so they're down in jungle trails. They so are. does that encompass, you know, any more areas outside of the bonobos as well? Yeah, so down in jungle trails, we care for a bunch of different animals, including our orangutan, henry, bonobos, and a lot of smaller uh, monkeys. Um, but we also have the other half of the primate department that takes care of the gorillas and gibbons on Gibbon Island. So uh, we're kind of just located in our little jungle area. We don't get out much, but it's a lot of fun. Um, bonobos are probably the, the most charismatic that we take care of. Awesome. Now, when you see people coming down, if you, if you haven't seen a bonobo before, um, it looks very much like a chimpanzee. Also, looks very much like a bonobo. So, <laughs> um, so, so as as far as the bonobos that we have here, can you kind of go a little bit more into the the ones that we do have and the families that we have as well? Sure, absolutely. So, just briefly, bonobos are our closest living relatives. We share about ninety eight point seven percent of our DNA. Um, they actually share that title with the common chimpanzee. Uh, they're both part of the same genus, which is Pan. So. Chimpanzees often get recognized first, and they get recognized as our closest living relatives uh, because their genome was sequenced back in 2006. But it wasn't until 2012 that the bonobo genome no way. was sequenced. It so, wasn't until wow. 2012. Wow. Correct. And 2006 for chimps is just... Right. So, I don't know why I assumed it was in the 90s or something. Right. Mm -hmm. So chimps kind of got that first title, and bonobos got pushed aside a little bit. Um, but there are only nine facilities in the United States that have bonobos, so they're really not well known. A lot of people aren't able to go and see them, so a lot of people just skip over bonobos and just go straight to chimpanzees. Are they more endangered in the wild than chimpanzees? Uh, I would say so, yes. So okay. they are only found in one country, and that's the Democratic Republic of Congo, which has a lot of political strife going on, so it's very dangerous. Um, and unfortunately, that means a lot of conservation work sometimes gets interrupted with political uh, unrest. Um, so yes, however, we are doing a lot of work to hopefully protect those guys a little bit more and increase their numbers. Awesome. Yes. I think that's, you know, the best part about having them in zoos is we can bring awareness because a lot of people wouldn't even know they existed because of that. Right. So right. great ambassadors for their species for sure. Definitely. And so I remember when my interest became when I started getting interested in bonobos is actually when I was taking a course in college and it was about human care between babies and, and their um, parents. And the professor would always talk about the bonobos and the care that they give to their kids. And they said, if you ever get the chance, go to the Cincinnati Zoo, you know, and just watch them for like an hour and a half, just set a time aside and then just watch, you know, their family construct. And it was really cool because I did actually go about a month later and just sit down and watch the bonobos. And I was like, oh, this is this is really, really interesting about the relationships and, you know, how unique they really are. Yep. 
So we have nine bonobos here, and the cool thing about these guys is that they live in something called a fission-fusion society. So we're able to switch up the family group dynamics quite a bit, and we do that regularly, uh, just so we can get some variety in their day. Uh, so between those nine, we have three adult males, and they prefer not to be with each other, so we keep them separated, but we can rotate all of the offspring and women with the other males. So it's pretty cool because you never really see the same group uh, every time you come here. Is that something that would happen in the wild, or is it mainly just a ma like a healthy management situation for zoos? A little bit of both. So in the wild, they live in really big family groups, uh, and so they'll come together at night, sleep together, but then during the day when they go out to find food and uh, kind of hang out with each other, they'll break off into smaller groups. So the dynamics change even in the wild. Some groups will go over to the east side, some will go to the west side, but it's not like it's a steady territory. They'll break off with each other, they'll spend time with friends and go back and forth. I'm sick of you, I need a break, I'm gonna go hang exactly. out with someone else exactly. today. <laughs> totally makes sense. Um, can you give us a little bit, like what are the differences in bonobos and chimps? I, I mean, we call the bonobos like the hippie ape, correct? correct. I know there's a few differences in um, how they relate to one another. Are there more differences in their, you can go into that please, and then like their diet or anything, you know, natural history related? Sure. So bonobos are also called the pygmy chimpanzee sometimes. Um, that kind of came out of a misconception. Uh, the really only thing smaller than a regular chimpanzee is their head. Uh, so they look very similar to chimpanzees, but their family and social group dynamics are completely different. We often hear about chimpanzees being very aggressive. You'll hear about you know, instances with chimpanzees attacking one another or whatnot, but you'll never hear of bonobos really doing that. In fact, bonobos are the only great, great ape who have been known to never kill another of their own species. Wow. So it's pretty special. Part of that is, I think, because they're a matriarchal society. So the females are in charge. <laughs> and so these guys will settle disagreements by en engaging in uh, breeding acts, uh, which can be anything and everything. Nothing is taboo in bonobo society. <laughs> become, you'll see it. I think one statistic I saw says that they engage in a breeding act about once every 40 minutes. Wow. So it happens a lot to settle disagreements, relieve tension, but also just to build those really great relationships. I know it brings up interesting moments for families with young kids. <laughs> I've had my cousins oh, here yes. before and there are lots a lot of, of questions. talks happening around the zoo. <laughs> yep, yep, hot topics. Great. So uh, what about their diet? These guys are mainly herbivores, so they eat a lot of fruits and veggies, um, but we also do occasionally give them hard-boiled eggs, which they absolutely love. But here at the zoo, we give them a variety of fr fruits and vegetables every day as their main staple diet. So lettuce, corn, other starches, lots of fruit. Um, Vern, for instance, our oldest male, loves his apples and oranges, but we try to rotate it every single day so they get some variety. Awesome. And I think it's interesting. There aren't many animals that actually eat citrus or onions, correct? correct. I mean, yeah, like, they love onions. Yes. Yeah, it's just funny because most animals wouldn't touch those. Yeah, and they eat them like an side. apple. It's like, sure. Right. Yep. Jump yep. on this. They go crazy for onions. It's the weirdest thing. So do you have any more questions about their natural history or something we should? I, not about their natural history, but I mean, talking about to kind of what bonobos are a little bit known for with their breeding acts, how do you monitor that and just to make sure that there's not, you know, an explosion of bonobos oh, you know, yeah, just that's a great going through? Uh, well, as most animal professionals will attest, it is very thought out and planned when we do decide to breed animals. Um, unfortunately, we have very limited space for animals in AZA accredited facilities, so we have to monitor, and it's based on recommendations from SSP, or the Species Survival Plan. So since these guys are so similar to us, we can actually put them on human birth control, and so when we do want a baby, we can take them off that birth control. Um, but other than that, they engage in those breeding acts 
completely naturally. We don't do anything to assist them. Um, they'll even give birth naturally and unassisted, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah, but oh my gosh, we can go into this later. But yes. watching the mother be a mother and a grandmother to their babies, it's so human like. And as yep. a new mom, I don't know if I've ever appreciated it quite as much as I do now, but there are some really cool videos we've had come out yeah. that I'd like to talk about later. Um, just seeing them be parents, basically. But will you go ahead and tell us, like, maybe oldest to youngest or whatever? I don't know. I don't remember all of my animals or all of the Africa animals. Not They're not mine. Um, ages. But if you remember the ages or can you just tell us each of the individuals you have? Sure. So we've got Vernon. He's our oldest. He's just about 49, 50 years old. Um, he is originally from Africa and then got moved over to Europe and is now over here. He's the oldest male bonobo that we currently have in human care in the United States, which is really awesome. Uh, we also have Lana. She's 42. She is the character. So if you ever come down the jungle trails and you see a bonobo with her belly up against the glass, that's Lana. She loves the attention. We also have Vim and uh, Kenge. We've got Kessie, Amali, Bo, Zanga, and Virgil. So We've got all of those guys. They are very cute. Wow. Some, most of them actually were there when I interned back in 2009. I feel really old right now. Yep. Um, but what was I going to ask? Um, oh, so basically um, Vernon came from the wild. Are any of the others from the wild? Not that I'm familiar with. Okay, great. And so, you know, the species survival plan, it's really important, especially with endangered animals or animals that aren't, you know, really prevalent in zoos that we follow that to make sure that we never have to bring them back from the wild Correct. and uh, we're you know following many recommendations so we do have a baby and you mentioned a molly yeah. so when was she born tell us a little bit about her and uh who her mom and dad are yep so a molly is gonna be a year on july 23rd. oh my gosh already wow so this sunday she'll be 10 months old uh and we've got Vern, who's the dad and cassie is the mom so uh they're very cute together uh, she was born a little unexpectedly, I will say. Okay. So we knew that she was pregnant. Um, with bonobos, they will often show body signs similar to humans, and they can produce positive pregnancy tests just like humans. Um, she actually didn't show signs or produce a positive pregnancy test until April. So we thought she was maybe two months long. She was actually six months along at that wow, point, and we wow. didn't know. And so we were expecting a fall baby, and one of our keepers came in in the morning and surprise, we've got this fully developed little fur ball. It's the cutest <laughs> what a fun thing. surprise. <laughs> yeah, great surprise. Completely fully developed. So she was not a preemie. We were just very wrong with our estimation of, of how pregnant Cassie was. But very cute. So if you guys are around July 23rd, go to our Facebook. I think we're going to do a live video. We're going to have a little birthday party for her. It's going to be a big shindig. Great. Okay, so I just remember what I wanted to ask when I said they've been around since <laughs> I was an intern. How old do they typically live? And then also you brought up um, when you were expecting her. So what is their gestation also? Yep. So their gestation is pretty similar to humans, okay. about eight to nine months. Um, in the wild, you can typically expect them to live 30 to 40, sometimes up to 50, but that's pretty rare. Uh, but in human managed care, they can live well up into their 50s and 60s. Awesome. That's amazing. Now, as far as the relationship between Molly and Cassie, mm -hmm. now... Is Amali running around yet? She's starting. She's okay. starting to get a little bit more independent. So okay. uh, we've seen some really cute videos of her starting to climb and maybe tumble. Uh, but she's definitely starting to get her sea legs and start crawling away from mom a little bit more. Kessie is a first-time mom, so this is her first baby, and she is a fantastic mom. So she's keeping an eye on her. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys saw the video where Amali took a little tumble, and she was just immediately scooped up by mom. It was so. my favorite video <laughs> I think I've ever 
her scene. It was very cute, very like, human-like. Yes, it was so human-like, such good instincts. You could tell she was, like, kind of keeping an eye on her from the corner of her eye, but letting her play a little bit, and then yep. as soon as she tumbled, she scooped her up and, like, held her close and went and laid down with her, and it was yep. just so precious, so she loving. is very loving, uh, almost to the extreme, I feel oh, like, really? sometimes. She's very protective of a baby, so it took me months to get kind of trusted to be around a okay. mom for for Kessie not to throw hay and get away from me. That's amazing. I feel her. I'm an anxious new mom. I'm yep. like, no, I don't trust you. I'll yep. hold him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then Lana is a wonderful grandmother, correct? Correct. And that's actually kind of a weird thing that you typically okay. wouldn't see in the wild. So because they are a matriarch, things are a little bit different in bonobo society. Uh, with other animals, you typically see as males reach sexual maturity, they'll get pushed out. Uh, whereas females are typically in that same group for the rest of their lives. With bonobos, it's actually the opposite. So males will stick with their moms pretty much their entire lives. Whereas females, once they reach sexual maturity, get pushed out and they start a new family group or go to a different family group. So that's a little interesting because Lana never did that with Kessie. And so that opportunity to grandmother is pretty rare actually. So we can just see these really awesome opportunity or awesome videos. Uh, it's just so unique. And it's such an amazing opportunity to get to work and experience that. Yeah, I'm sure. Have you seen any interesting interactions as far as that, you know, grandmother relationship goes between them? Absolutely. She hasn't been able to hold the baby quite yet. Lana is very willing, but Cassie's a little hesitant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even doing things like blowing raspberries, just a very human-like quality. You know, nobody is out on the other side of the glass blowing raspberries to their baby. So it's not like she's mimicking a behavior. Right. It's, it's very cool. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so are there any others, if you, like, wanted to tell us a little bit about the younger boys or any any of them have fun personality facts you could share? Yeah, Bo is definitely rambunctious. So he's six years old. Uh, between six and eight, they start to get a little crazy. They're starting to get a little bit more testosterone, become a little bit more mature. So he's starting to run around. He'll start displaying, like, the big boys. Um, but he's very sweet with Amali. And actually, become currently, which this will air very far in the future, <laughs> but they are currently together. So if you come and you see them, he's very tender and very sweet with Molly. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Are we allowed to uh, ask that? <laughs> it's, it's hard. You know, with zoo professionals, we're not supposed to pick favorites. It's <laughs> kind of like motherhood. I do feel like I have a special relationship with Cassiano and uh, Lana. That's so awesome. those two are definitely up there. And Amali, I mean, she's... Yeah, how is the baby yeah, not the favorite? Not the favorite. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Well, I'm going to go down and play this episode for them after this. So yeah, they're going yeah. to know. <laughs> Let them know how loved they yeah. are. <laughs> so they're really incredibly smart. What kind of things for enrichment do they do? I actually saw this really adorable photo somebody sent us of a baby Faith who did a science fair project Whoa. on bonobo yes. enrichment um, choices, I believe. Is that what it was? Yes. So um, this was not zoo sanctioned. And if you <laughs> want to replicate, always get zoo approval. I know this now, but as a little sixth grader, I had no clue about any of the approval process. But um, back in sixth grade, I had done a science fair project just studying them, and I brought in some enrichment items, uh, some artificial-looking, some natural looking and just saw which ones that they would interact with the most so it's pretty cool um we do like to do as most natural as we can um that was actually what i ended up finding as a sixth grader too which is pretty cool wow so we will do anything from novel foods to senses like 
smells or tactile senses. Um, switching family groups is actually a really cool enrichment opportunity for them as well. Um, but I will say they really like certain things behind the scenes, like we've got some fire hose and Vim, for instance, just loves to carry things around. So if you give him like a fire hose cube and, you know, any other enrichment items, PVC, he'll just carry it around for like a week straight. Uh, it's like, this is mine. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it with me. Exactly. That's cute. Yeah, I think it's amazing that in sixth grade, you already knew what enrichment was, I guess, from volunteering here. Were you even old I enough yet? Started. Okay. Yeah. How did you know about it? Good question. <laughs> I came here enough, I think, just I started to pick up like, oh, they're interacting with things. What do they want to play with? You know, do they want to play with toys that I would want to play with? Or do they want to play with things that they would typically find in the wild? I honestly, I can't even tell you where this innate interest in animals came from or why I wanted to work with primates and study primates. But it, I think it was just growing up here at the zoo, physically coming all the time, you just start to pick up on these really small nuances. Yeah, that's really cool. You did that enrichment uh, science fair project and then now you're working with these bonobos and seeing all of the enrichment they actually get. Yeah. You know what? I know it's not natural, but Lana might really enjoy a doll. I wonder if she would love to carry Honestly, a doll I feel like she would love that. Or a that. teddy bear or <laughs> yeah. something. Oh my gosh. Maybe we'll go through the approval process. <laughs> there you go. I was going to ask you, how do you decide what they can get? Because I'm assuming that they are very strong. You know, they've got, yes. um, you know, can take things, like have very structured ways that they yes. can take items and maneuver it. So is there a set process where you go through a, a board and they're like, oh yeah, that's good. They can have that. Yeah, we do look at different things. Um, for these guys, we have to go get vet approval um, if it's food-related nutrition, uh, nutritionist approval. Um, but we have a pretty in-depth list of things that have already been approved, so we can rotate that. The big thing is we have to put locks on all of their enrichment items. Uh, with our smaller monkeys, we can use something called Quick Links. It's just kind of a screw-in, screw-out type of little link. Almost like a carabiner, but yeah, mm -hmm. a little more secure. With our apes, they are so smart. They'll unscrew them, and then the enrichment's gone. They gotta take it with them for the next week, and we'll never get it back. <laughs> so we have to put physical locks on their enrichment because they're that smart, and they can move their fingers that that well. That's funny because, like, as an intern, I mean, I wasn't scared of them because I was always in a safe situation. But I feel like there are primate people or not primate people, and I don't think I'm a primate person because <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't like. Oh, yes, now I want to work with bonobos or primates because not only are they dangerous and stronger than humans and the size of humans, but they're so, so intelligent. So, and they have hands. So, you know, a lion is incredibly dangerous, but they can't reach up and try and unlock or pull a lock apart or something like that where right. primates can. And so it adds that extra, like, dangerous element to it. Um, but they're very, very loud yes. and it make tons of noise and they like attention and that sort of thing. I don't think people get to see that from a visitor point of view of how loud they can be. Um, can you just talk about that a little bit or describe why they might be loud and the sounds they're making and any communication that they do? Yeah. When you guys come to the zoo, you may hear something really high pitched. I honestly did not know that's the sound that they made because when you come and you're in the indoor view, uh, it's a thick glass, so it gets really muffled, but it's a really high-pitched screech, so that it can reach farther and farther, and they can hear each other all throughout the jungles in Africa. So they do that when they're really excited. Sometimes when they're a little upset, but with bonobos, when they're upset, that's when they go and engage in breeding acts. So you typically won't see them making vocalizations because they're irate or they're angry like you would with a chimp, just because they're really excited. So when we get 
outside for the first time in a couple of weeks because it's been cold or rainy, they get really excited and they'll start making vocalizations or if they get a food item that they absolutely love, you'll hear them make a lot of sounds, which me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think um, when I was an intern, my enrichment project actually, or my intern project was enrichment also with the bonobos. And we did PVC tubes and I think I put like honey and Cheerios or popcorn in it. And then I gave them, well, the keepers helped me give them different size sticks to see if they were smart enough to get, pick the stick that was long enough to push it through or pull it back yeah, towards yeah. them. And it was so cool to see how smart they were because of course they got it right away. I don't right. know if you guys still do anything like we that. We still use that. Uh, along the same lines, I've actually seen them when we give them brows. They see us finicking with locks and using our keys to unlock locks. They'll take brow sticks break off branches, and try to pick locks. Oh my gosh. So, very smart. <laughs> they, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> very smart, and just enrichment is a little interesting with these guys, for sure. A lot more interesting than other animals. They're so smart, so I'm guessing you do a lot of amazing training. Is there any really important training or really fun training that um, you can tell us about? Yeah, so with our bonobos, we do operant conditioning, positive reinforcement. So um, it's very similar to what you would do with a dog, and most animals do operant conditioning here at our zoo. Um, and it's a really important way for them to engage in their own medical care, especially with chimpanzees. Um, I think this last year has really shown how important vaccines are. And with these guys, we regularly vaccine them, or give them vaccines for things like the common cold and flu. Um, so every year they'll get a flu vaccine because, again, they are so susceptible. They can get all the same viruses that we can. Um, but we are ramping up to eventually, hopefully, get them COVID vaccines. Wow. So right now we're doing a lot of injection training. We'll ask them to present different parts of their bodies. Um, we can do oral exams. And with great apes, one of the big issues is their heart. So they're also trained to do uh, ultrasounds on their heart while they're awake, which is pretty cool and pretty pretty special. Yeah, and they're choosing to, you know, participate in this Absolutely. and let you do that, which is, I'm sure, a really rewarding behavior. Well, all of them are rewarding, but extra rewarding to see them be willing to trust you. It's not quick, you know? It's Absolutely. not like an injection is a really difficult behavior to train. And yeah, I'm afraid of needles more than our animals are, I feel like. Well, but then ultrasound, you have to spend some time. They have to sit with you for quite a while. It's funny because these needle fears are pretty much innate. You know, we'll do training with Kessie and Kessie's still holding on to a Molly and a Molly will see a needle. She's never seen a needle before and makes a sound where she's alerting mom like, Hey, oh no, this, is, this looks sharp. <laughs> it's touching you. What are you doing? That's amazing. So it's ingrained. I mean, she would never have this experience. She's not vaccinated quite yet. So, you know, where does this innate fear of pointy things come from. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's interesting to, it's to really think about that. And, and just speaking health-wise, I mean, it just so is critical in the primate departments. I mean, health is paramount for all of our animals around the zoo. But, I mean, speaking from a behind-the-scenes perspective, people ask all the time, like, hey, I want to go behind the scenes with the gorillas or I want to go behind the scenes with the, the bonobos. And that's just, that's one of the areas where it's really strictly locked down to their care staff just because of the transmittable diseases that you might not even think. Like, if you had a common cold and came back to one of those areas because they're, they're so genetically similar to us, that could be something that could turn into something critical in their care also. So it's, it's important that we can do these processes and work with them to make sure that they're getting the best care as well. Absolutely. Even before COVID, during flu and cold mm -hmm. season, we would wear our face masks. So it wasn't actually a rough transition for our animals with these masks because they were so used to it already. For several months of the year, we're already masked up. So uh, it's one of our, the big concerns with these guys is just making sure that they're nice and healthy and safe. Awesome. 
Do you have anything else you want to tell us about them? Your favorite fact or, um, you know, any other personality stories that our listeners might want to hear? Well, if you come to the zoo, make sure you spend a lot of time. We've got an indoor habitat and an outdoor habitat. The outdoor habitat is very big and lush, so you may not always see them, but you'll typically hear them. Um, but come and check out our indoor area. We always have a group up there. That's amazing. Has Molly been outside yet? She has. So with Molly, it has to be 70 degrees to be outside. Okay. So right now, it's pretty consistently 70, but for the last couple months, it's been hit and miss. So if you come, make it's sure you check weather. out the temperature. Make sure it's nice and warm. Um, and obviously, we don't want to have her out in the rain. So beautiful, warm, sunny days is when she'll be outside. Okay. Awesome. I do have a quiz. Yes, I, I was going to ask. Oh, okay. I uh, prepped Faith a little bit about this, but you, <gasps> you didn't prep me. I didn't prep <laughs> Jenna. You never know what I'm going to ask with uh, the Sam's. I've got a title this I section. Know, we, need no, a we still title. don't have a title. It's just, do you know it? Uh, leave us a review. <laughs> do you tell know? us what we should call. Tell it. us what we should call this section. <laughs> Sam's quizzes for now. All right. So I'm going to pitch you two against each other, just with some different type of. Uh, primate questions oh, so, so um biggest first question is do you know what the world's biggest ape was 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 hmm i'm gonna say gigantopithecus which is a hominin but still technically an ape right uh yep that's it yep <laughs> that, 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 that's it and again, uh, Faith corrected me it. in the moment, calling it an ape. I do my <laughs> Wikipedia searches, so this is why they keep me honest over here. So the Gigantopithecus, yes, was the largest. And do you know how tall, about how tall and how heavy? Ooh, that's a good question. My okay. anthropology degree is going to I'll give you to the closest, me closest meter as far as, as far as tall. How tall do you think they were? And then the closest pound. Oof. Honestly, I have no idea. I'm guessing three meters... 300 pounds. Okay. I'll say, yeah, like 350. I don't know meters. It's like three feet yeah. per meter, mm -hmm. right? I'll do eight feet tall. Okay. Not too far off because it's exactly three meters. <gasps> oh. The weight, though, is 1,100 pounds. Holy wow. cow. The biggest one that they've ever, you know, wow. found evidence of. Terrifying. That's impressive. That's about 1,100 pounds, yes. Ooh. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> Put that in perspective. Sasquatch. You know how tall. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a gigantopithecus. You know, that's yeah. what they, they saw. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how tall an average bonobo's height is? Oh. I'm sure she does. I would guess <laughs> like four and a half, five feet. They're actually a little bit shorter than you would expect. Okay. Yeah, so... Because they aren't standing straight up, so it's hard to guess. Right. And it's honestly hard to when you don't work around them because they look like chimpanzees, which are typically bigger. Uh, I would guess that the technical height would be between three and a half to four and a half feet. Exactly right. Nice. You should know because you're working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another question. So when bonobos were first classified um, as their own species in 1929, what were they classified as before that? And I think actually Faith covered that a little bit earlier in the episode. Oh, the pygmy chimp? Pygmy chimp or the juvenile chimp. Yep, and it's interesting, a little fun fact going off of that. Bonobo actually came out because of a misreading of a crate. So along the river in the Congo, there's a port called Bolobo. And so they had found a bonobo or had unfortunately killed the bonobo's family for the bonobo. 
put it in a crate and wrote Bilobo, but people thought it said Bonobo. Oh, wow. So that's how the whole name for the species came out, was people misread a wow. crate with an animal in it. I don't well, think that's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. And then this is uh, kind of the last question, and then I've got a Bonobo joke for you. So, who is the leading actor in the 1997 hit classic, George of the Jungle? Sam. I can't believe I don't you know. don't know this. <laughs> I have no idea. This actor should have at least seven Academy Awards right now because they but are doesn't. So yes. does that mean... It's Brendan Fraser. Oh, it's yes. Brendan yes. Fraser. Yes. Okay. George yes. of the yes. Jungle. Seven. Also actor in The Mummy, which yes. is one of my favorite movies of all time. I haven't so. seen that one in a while. It's, yeah, <laughs> plug in my movies over here. All right. Two, okay, you can, and then you can rate my bonobo jokes that I have over here. Okay. So, you know, some people say humans evolved from bonobos, but I say that's an over-chimplification. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, here's, uh, did you hear about a that? A for effort. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> did you hear about that ape that became a lawyer? No, I didn't. Uh, he does all his work pro bonobo. <gasps> oh, that's a better one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Break that out sometime. <laughs> oh, man. That's about all I have over here. <laughs> 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 awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk about bonobos. Yeah, Absolutely. learned a lot. Learned yes. a, like, I didn't even know that we had the um, fusion fission interaction where we're your. That, that's something that I, I did. I just learned today that yeah. they're alternating family groups, which is really cool. Yep. Do you guys go into that and like discuss it as a group who you're putting with who, or do you get to decide the day of the moment of like, sure, I'm going to send so-and-so. It depends. Sometimes it's planned out. Some days we're just like, all right, this individual is having enough of this individual we think that they just need either girl time or they need X, Y, and Z. So we can do it day of and kind of impromptu, but sometimes it's planned. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. So Jenna, do you, do you have a question to ask? I do. <laughs> okay. I do, Sam. <laughs> Faith, what can I do? What can I do to help the earth, help bonobos, be a better person? One of the easiest ways to help bonobos is by being an ethical consumer. So a lot of people don't realize this, but there's a mineral on every single cell phone called coltan which is mined in Central Africa. And unfortunately, that typically is habitat for bonobos and mountain gorillas. So by recycling your old cell phones, you're able to reduce the amount of mining that needs to be done for more coltan. So you're able to save habitat for bonobos. So be an ethical consumer, do your research, and you can come bring your old cell phones here to the zoo. So simple, yep. honestly. Like, what do you do with an old cell phone? So it's in your... Drawer at home. Drawers, yep. Yeah, yep. everybody has their cell phone drawer. <laughs> just has like, a, it's like a time machine. Why is that a thing, <laughs> like right? The but everyone has The it. flip phone, yep. <laughs> to the razor. <laughs> That's bedazzled for some reason. <laughs> People just bedazzled their razors. <laughs> we all know what Sam did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> was, I was the coolest kid. <laughs> Um, no, that's awesome and, and such an easy thing. And yeah, we have the EcoCell program here at the zoo. I'm not familiar with where the recycling containers are at this point in time. We Do have one know? at the Welcome Center. Okay. Um, we went, we'll have one at the Cat Ambassador program. And then we actually have one down in Gorilla World as well. Great. So yeah, if you come in with your old cell phone, you could recycle it in one of the bins, help save bonobos and of course gorillas and other animals that live in those habitats. And it's like so easy. It is. Yep. <laughs> Great. Well, anything else? No, thank you so much for having yeah, me. I really appreciate the us, opportunity babe. to talk about bonobos. Yes. Easy to do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I'm Jenna. And I'm Sam. And this is Cincinnati Zoo Tales. <laughs>